Welcome to Inside Scoop with Sean Emery, where we will continuously bring you closer to companies, sectors, and themes. This recording should not be construed in any manner whatsoever as a substitute for personalized individual advice from Avery and Company. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies mentioned. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. The gaming industry is one of our favorite industries in the world. The innovation taking place is layers deep, with form factor changes allowing new gamers to enter the market. The three main form factors today are PCs, consoles like PlayStation and Xbox, and the rapid adoption of mobile gaming as iPhones and other leading providers have increased screen sizes and have emphasized gaming within the App Store. We foresee another potential wave in the future, as 5G, virtual reality, augmented reality, and streaming gain adoption through technological advancements. We have already seen traction in VR as Facebook's Oculus platform continues to gain adoption. Oculus celebrated its one-year anniversary for its Oculus Quest and Rift S headsets, both released in May of 2019. Oculus unveiled that Quest owners have spent over $100 million on content thus far, with more than 20 Quest games making over $1 million in annual revenue. This is critical detail as platforms must create a flywheel for both gamers and game developers. The more gamers on the platform, the more games developers will create, which will lead to more gamers, and that continues. Now games are no longer one-dimensional. The internet once again prevails and highlights its power as it has allowed gamers to connect with other gamers all across the globe. For gaming publishers such as Activision Blizzard, Electronic Arts, and many others, This is important as it has allowed networks to be created similar to that of traditional social networks. The power of these networks is that it is allowing adjacent opportunities to form. Game streaming is more popular than ever with companies such as Twitch, Mixer, YouTube Gaming, and Facebook Gaming all emphasizing game streaming on their platforms. People are watching gamers play online just as they would watch Tiger Woods walk down the 18th hole. The ecosystem is growing and it's evolving and it's drawing all types of partnerships. Take for example Cash App who partnered with 100 Thieves, a top gaming organization in LA. They partnered to create the Cash App Compound which is the 100 Thieves headquarters. So overall gaming is growing rapidly and there will be a ton of winners within the category over the long term. So with that I wanted to bring Jeff Chow who is the founder of Game Gather and he's been on the front line of gaming as a player for Team Liquid which is one of the highest earning esports teams in the world and is backed by professional sports team owners such as the Golden State Warriors, backed by Michael Jordan, uh, the owner of the Washington Nationals, and many others. Jeff Chow was also an analyst and commentator at Tencent. He's currently a founder, as mentioned before, but all in all, he's just one of the best in the industry, so I wanted to bring him on. Before that, make sure to subscribe to Inside Scoop, and I hope you enjoy our conversation. Alrighty, Jeff, how you doing? Good, how are you doing, Sean? I'm doing well, just trying to um, monitor all the things taking place with uh, COVID-19 and, and hopefully seeing uh, the work-life balance get, get, get back in balance. Um, and and how, how's everything over there? Oh, going, going great. I mean, you talk about COVID-19 and, and I made some in investment bets on gaming and you know, cloud and tech stocks are doing really well, but a segment under technology is, is gaming. And the gaming stocks are all just on fire right now. I mean, like, like Arena C, for example, announced that one of their games had 80 million daily active users, and that that's grown from wow. 60 million 
um, last year. So, so pretty amazing to see like the impact of COVID on onto gaming, and I think it's going to continue to accelerate uh, the entertainment um, leisure economy that we see in, in gaming here. Yeah, definitely. I mean, this is uh, predating COVID, right? In terms of the the sheer uh, transition taking place. I mean, for us, we're just big believers that the compounding effect taking place in gaming, when you're looking at all the different computing resources that have been put in place, that's accelerating some of the networking capabilities that are enhancing. So, so we're really, we really are. We're seeing that innovation take place both at the, at the game level, uh, but also at the pricing and distribution level, right? So you're seeing uh, the free-to-play Battle Royale games, which is completely disrupting how uh, pricing models historically used to work. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's opening up the category. And, and you, you've shared some awesome stuff in the past in terms of uh, all the different demographics that have joined uh, into the gaming communities. Um, and you have just really good perspective on that. So, so love having you on here to, to share all the different stuff that you've, you've, you've worked on. Um, but first, I think to really just kick it off is, is just getting an understanding uh, of you and just tell us a little bit about yourself and your background. Yeah, so my name is uh, Jeff Chow, and I've been in esports for a little over the past five years. And I've done everything in esports. I mean, I was a professional player, so I've, I competed on stage. I've worked with all the top organizations um, like Team Liquid, um, Immortals uh, Gaming Club, who's backed by like Lionsgate and AEG, and mm. you know, you know these billion-dollar uh, companies and investors. And also uh, Team Solomid, which is backed by like Stephen Curry and a bunch of other celebrity and, and um, venture capitalists and so on. So, so I've done a work, lot of work in, in the space and, and pretty much the whole vertical from a pro player to a, to a coach, to a co-founder of an e-sport, my own esports org, um, and also was an esports commentator for, for Tencent Games and Supercell. Um, so Tencent is like the Facebook of, of China for those that right. are not familiar. They're the biggest gaming company in the world. Um, and they own uh, Riot Games, which is a maker of League of Legends, which is the largest PC game in the world. And uh, Supercell is also owned by Tencent, I think 90-something percent. And Supercell is one of the most profitable, I think the most profitable company ever per employee, if you look at it, for, for, for mobile gaming. Um, it's pretty insane, like the growth of mobile gaming in the past decade, past few decades, and also the growth of the entire gaming industry. Just in 50 years, it's gone from you know nothing to like a $150 billion industry. Um, so I'm, I'm glad and happy to be part of it. It's, it's been an, an amazing and fun journey, just working an entire esports industry from, you know, commentating at the Asia games in 2008 in Jakarta, uh, Palembang. I was the, one of the esports commentators where they had esports as a demonstration medal event for the first time in history. Um, and I've traveled all over the world hosting or being the, the, the face and analyst for a lot of the esports games. From you know, in, from Brazil to Australia to United Kingdom, all over the world, China to, uh, to Indonesia to Singapore. Yeah, it's been it's been a blast and an amazing journey for me um, when it comes to gaming and esports. Yeah, where, where do you where are you seeing the most engagement on esports uh, from a from a geographic standpoint? Yeah, so from a ge- geographic standpoint, overall esports is is continuing to grow. Um, if you look at the kind of the big picture, the esports audience was around three hundred thirty-five million in, in two thousand seventeen. Um, it's going to grow to six hundred like fifty million by twenty twenty-three. 
um, and the numbers are constantly growing from 20 to 30 percent um, compound annual growth rates. And if you look, if you look at ge geographic Asia and more of the developing countries, mobile is is completely taking off, and it's the largest in revenue player base. Um, you just talked about like the mobile battle route earlier. Well, that has almost you know has easily over 1 billion players worldwide playing mobile battle route mobile games. Uh, and if you think about the U.S. and the West, they tend to be a few years, I would say about five years to a decade behind what's happening in Asia in terms of the trends. So the West is now really big on, on PC esports right now, which was something that, that exploded you know, 20 years ago in, in Korea and China. And now it's starting to really explode here in the West. And in mobile gaming, is starting to make its like footing. It's a very niche um, community and industry in the West but it's starting to grow. So, so it's very interesting to see the geographical differences and, and also how the industry tends to, to follow uh, first movers from, from across the, the globe. Definitely, I, I mean, a couple of years ago or even last year, I, I believe it was when, when Apple moved the, uh, in the app store, uh, made a dedicated category simply for, or dedicated button at the bottom simply for gaming. Uh, and that, that said a lot about what was happening uh, behind the scenes, right, in terms of uh, the revenue that the the mobile games were creating within the app store otherwise uh, a company like apple probably would not have um made that decision um the esports category i think one interesting part about that and i've heard you talk about it is more the social connection that's built within it um and, and you're doing something pretty interesting on, on that side uh and i just want everyone to hear a little bit about what, what you're you're building and, and how you think about that social component as it relates to gaming yeah, so gaming has it's, it's esports is, is skill based. Gaming is also social. Where uh, the reason why esports has taken off is because it's a it's a social phenomenon. Um, if you think about like internet PC cafes back in Korea, so I, I grew up in Korea, so my esports actually experience goes all the way back to 1999. So I'm a little I'm kind of dating myself, uh, but that's where I grew up. That's where I, I learned StarCraft, which is the most popular game in South Korea. It became a national phenomenon. The only thing that was more watched in StarCraft was soccer. Um, I mean, StarCraft was that popular. One out of five Koreans played it. And because I was so good at the game, it made me instantly cool in high school. So if you think about like the Fortnite kids today, if you're really good at Fortnite, you are a cool kid. <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah. It, like, like one of my users explained to me um, that Fortnite changed his life. Like literally, he's now a really cool kid because he's so good at the game. And this guy was just, like a typical gaming nerd. Uh, so it's awesome to see like the social mobility that gaming is offering. And, and esports is a reflection of that just like traditional sports. Mm -hmm. and, and that's what I'm really excited about. So GameGather is basically where you can book gamers on demand. So that's what I'm building. Uh, if you go to GameGather.com, you'll, you'll see it. So you can book someone to teach you how to play a game that you just like downloaded or, or, or bought. You can book someone to help you rank up, to help you, help you get coaching. Um, and also you can book other people to just to play to have fun, whether it's if you want to play with like a, a cosplayer that you're a fan of or a content creator on YouTube or Twitch that, that you, you follow and you're a fan of. So we, we're basically a skill sharing platform. So we, we want the gamers on our platform who we call partners to share their talents and skills with other people who are willing to pay for it. And, and it, it, it has value and it's something that is, is, um, is happening in China already there's a lot of people that are paying to play with each other because they want a good teammate that can communicate or they want to get better at the game or they want to play for social reasons um so it's a whole spawn an entirely new kind of social marketplace and that's what i'm excited and, and what i'm most excited about because i was that that gamer when i was a twitch streamer so I, I used to stream as well uh for three years and i struggled i mean i made 
you know, 500 bucks a month, which is not sustainable. It, it can't pay my rent or, or right. my, my expenses. And this, this marketplace helps me, you know, um, gain additional income from, from side hustle. Like one of our partners makes like $200 a month from it. And she's from Georgia. Right. Um, and $200 a month is what a teacher makes in Georgia. So, so it's amazing to see what the global internet and the marketplaces that can spawn from this. And I'm really excited to, to get this going and, and continue to grow the user base and partner base. Definitely. Um, switching, switching to, uh, thinking about the West, right. And thinking about why potentially esports hasn't taken off as much, right. It's still successful in its own right. Um, do you think possibly because of the traditional of traditional sports success here, AKA NFL, NBA, um, all the different sports leagues are pretty much domiciled here. Um, do you think that has a factor to it or, or, or what gets esports in the West to, to really accelerate to, uh, to, to heights of other uh, countries? Yeah, I think it's a, it's a generational thing. Um, esports has already exploded. I mean, the, the, the audience and the fan base is there just in the United States alone, there's estimated to be over, you know, um, 211 million gamers and out of those 211 million about 50 million or so are esports fans or have watched or played an esports game or watch an esports event so the user base is definitely growing the interesting thing about gaming and esports is the it's growing on the tail end and also on the the the, the front end, which means that it's getting younger and also the demographic also is, is getting older um, mm -hmm. you look at traditional sports the 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 audience base, the fan base is continuing to get older and older, you know, 40 plus, 50 plus, depending on what, what sports you look at with, with esports and gaming, um, more and more people are actually embracing gaming as a, as a kind of pastime, um, similar to the Asian countries where gaming is like a national pastime where so many people play mobile games together. socially. like you see moms in, in uh, China, like moms and grandmas playing mobile games with their kids. And we see that trend happening with the US with console games and PC games. And the, the gaming industry just continues to grow, especially with the young uh, generation. So millennials really kicked it off, right? That's why esports is so massive because of the millennials like me. And then now Gen, Gen Z, um, they, they're, they're, they, they, most, of, most of the boys and girls are, are meeting new friends through online games, like over 50% of them, like teenagers. Um, are meeting friends through through just playing video games online, um, and and it's an amazing kind of shift in terms of how they're entertaining themselves. And these multiplayer social games is what's really uh, getting a lot of traction and helping people not only enjoy really fun gameplay but making friends through through video games, which is which is pretty amazing. And, and that's why esports is continuing to grow. Um, and then to answer your other question is it's not as big in the West as it is in Asia, but it's growing rapidly. The U S is actually, um, just, just a few percentage move points in terms of the audience base is going to dramatically grow the size of the opportunity for, for esports. Um, so if you look at, for example, in general, in the U S is about 20% of, of gamers are esports fans in China and, and Southeast Asia, it's about 50 to 60% of that base. So if the US goes from 20% of their gamers, right, to 211 million to 50% of those people becoming esports fans, and then esports, the esports opportunity has a lot, a lot of, of ways to grow bigger. Yeah, yeah. And it definitely has a, a network effect there and, and, and kind of a, a flywheel um, that takes place. Now, now thinking of the games themselves, 
um, the creators of these games? Do you think it's going to be more of, of the, the AAA companies um, coming up with kind of the winners on the West? Or uh, are you going to see uh, smaller uh, companies come out with kind of that free-to-play model and just attract uh, a, a swath of, of, of several million users quickly, like, like we've been seeing over the last couple of years, um, where it may not be that AAA publisher uh, or historically AAA publisher that's coming up with um, the next big game. So what's your thoughts on, on, on which publisher, not necessarily the names, but uh, the dynamics between the large and the small? Yeah, so there's there's two angles with this. Uh, I think AAA will t continue to do well. Um, a lot of the AAA is is a big in the West. It's a very big brand. Like Call of Duty is is a very big brand. Mm -hmm. League of Legends now is a very big brand. League of Legends started out as a nobody, and and Riot Games grew that game to be the largest PC game in the world. I mean, Fortnite is also a game that was not popular when it launched. It was a kind of a player versus environment. You're you're playing with teammates against you know zombies and monsters that attacked your fort that's why it's called fortnite um and now that game has 350 million players right uh, astonishing growth and they they converted it to a battle royale and and the and the, the idea of the battle royale came from a mod so so a lot of these esports games are modifications of existing games so in terms to answer your question it could go both ways but in general historically it's it's been the mods that are successful for example league of legends the largest esports in the world right now has a hundred million unique viewers that watch the the world championships um of, of this title it was a modification or a mod of a game from warcraft 3 that blizzard owned Right, Warcraft 3 created this new kind of genre, like these map editors basically created this game called um, Defense of the Ancients or, or Dota. And then League was a copy of that. So League took that concept and then just made it better and then made it gaming as a service. So they're the first ones that innovated on free to play model um, in terms of PC, online multiplayer. And then they made it free to play, and then and it was it was games as a service, and they released new content, new skins, etc. And that's how League became a billion dollar hit, um, and and that was a mod, right? If you look at the other esports like Fortnite and PUBG, those were mods of of a game from Arma, um, where where they, it was a, a shooter game, and they created modifications, and it, it and then and then basically got into another game, H one Z one, and it was a battle royale modification where. People didn't fight against zombies or, or, or AI enemies. They fought against each other, and it was like a free-for-all uh, free survival type of game against human players. And that then spawned the entire genre. That's the biggest genre in, in the world now is, is uh, Battle Royale, which is basically Hunger Games, the movie, but in a game, right? So that genre has a billion players on mobile and hundreds of millions on PC. Is clearly the largest genre. So it basically replaced what League of Legends was, the MOBA genre, which is the multiplayer online battle arena, is the second largest genre, which was like the first generation of esports. Now the second generation of esports is now this 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 like massively online multiplayer. One hundred people jump in an island and then you know fight for survival. Um, pretty amazing to see what's happening, how the esports scene has has evolved into you know now it's even more multiplayer so that's that's the trend um with esports is it it gets more social more multiplayer and then more competitive and then people like love to play it and they love to watch it right it's just bringing in more audience which is bringing in more gamers which is bringing in more audience um you know interesting phenomenon um and, and i still think even at this stage is it's probably still underappreciated by um 
by the different observers of, of investments and things like that. Um, but the one thing I, I wanted to, to ask you about and, and just speak about is, is the streaming component that uh, is potentially on the horizon, right? Where Google has Stadia, Microsoft, I think, has uh, xCloud um, that they're developing and, and different streaming platforms that will eventually uh, come about. How, how, are you, how do you think about that? And um, does that bring in even an additional gamer into the scene, uh, similar to how mobile um, did just simply uh, because you don't need the hardware component anymore um, that you needed in the past. Um, and I think that is a friction point for uh, more console playing um, is the, the purchase of the hardware and then and the setup that and that, that natural friction that takes place there. Uh, gaming is mobile gaming is in our hand, right? So uh, being able to develop content that's uh, mobile friendly has really driven that market. But streaming, how, how ultimately, how are you thinking about the streaming component? And, and what that all ultimately does to the marketplace. Yeah, I think once 5G and the technology catches up, it's going to be massive. Um, people are, are joking and making fun of it right now because cloud is not able to provide the latency that's needed. Uh, if you think about fighting games and, um, you know, other type of esports, you know, the frames per second matters a lot. You want to hit close to 60 to have a, a good experience. But for competitive esports, you want to hit 120 frames a second. Um, and, and a lot of the monitors, that's why they're, you know, 144 Hertz monitors and so on with cloud, it's going to be the post mobile world is how we look at it from a long-term perspective. If you think about like mobile gaming and why mobile gaming is so big, a lot of Westerners that don't play mobile games and they have the money to spend on, you know, PC games or console games and buy this really expensive, like, like console hardware, uh, they don't really understand like why esports took off and, and it's because the internet is the leisure economy of the world, mm. especially true for the underserved, younger and underserved populations. So you think about how PC esports took off in Asia first. Asia was much poorer than, than the United States 20, 10 years ago. You know? uh, they took off because internet PC cafes spawned all over uh, Brazil, uh, Korea, China, where it became, by 2011, it was a $19 billion industry just in Asia alone. It had 350,000 PC cafes. And that basically reduced the barriers to entry to online PC gaming, which then took off and exploded and created the esports industry and gaming industry that we see today. Um, but the same thing happened in Brazil. The PC cafes was subsidized by the government, and it basically allowed 60% of the country's poor to get access to the internet. And that's how esports took off in Brazil. So, so if anything, the, the, the internet populations of the world who are underserved is a reason why gaming and esports is taking off. And that's why the free-to-play game, like you said, is taking off because they're serving underserved markets that no one's right. really paying attention to. And then as they grow up, they become they get more purchasing power and then the industry then becomes what it is today. So in terms of cloud, cloud is basically that new version of, of, of basically being able to reach underserved internet populations. If you look at smartphone penetration rates, uh, you know, India and all these countries not, aren't even close to 80% or even 90% penetration. Once it happens in the next five years and everyone owns a smartphone, and then the cloud technology catches up with 5G and the latency and so on, then cloud gaming will be much cheaper and much easier, um, even lower barrier to entry because there's no installing. You literally just open up the game and you jump into a game with your friend. You know, there's no loading time. Um, so the technology is definitely amazing. It has a lot of promise. And it reminds me of what mobile has done for the gaming industry. If you look at how much mobile, I mean, mobile is now a $100 billion industry, right? It's bigger. It's 25% bigger than PC and console gaming put together. 
right? It's bigger than Hollywood, <laughs> mobile gaming by itself. And, and it's growing at like 20, 30% year over year. I mean, it's going to be $100 billion per app annie, a $100 billion industry by itself this year with total gaming going to be around 150 billion or more. So cloud gaming, what's cloud gaming going to do is going to accelerate that. It's basically going to allow people to play multiplayer games and doesn't matter what device you have, you just need a fast 5G connection or, or, or fast internet connection. Doesn't matter what phone you have, what iOS version. And that's, that, and that's why Fortnite became so popular because it's cross-play. It's fully cross-play. So a mobile player can play with a P PS4, an Xbox player can play with a PS4 and play with a PC. It, there's no friction between how people can play together and, and, and socialize through the game. And that's what held back console gaming a lot. If you think about it, PS4 players could not connect with Switch players and Switch players couldn't connect with Xbox and Xbox and, and Sony has this whole rivalry where they don't let players cross play with each other. It's still an issue right now, actually, for, for certain games. But Fortnite is big enough to say, hey, this is what our users want. You need to open up cross play and the, the fan base, you know, basically gave Sony a lot of crap because they're trying to ecos ecosystem lock um, Fortnite and not allow the you know friends of you know PS4 buddies to play with Xbox buddies, and then they had to then take that down because their audience base was not happy about that. Right. Um, right and that's right. what cloud's going to do. Cloud's going to unlock all of that, and on top of that, be cheaper than mobile. Right. So you so it's going to be a subscription based business. You know, games as a service will continue to evolve, and that's why you know Microsoft, Google, everyone is is gunning towards cloud. Tencent as well. Uh, because if you think about what's going to matter long-term, and this is like the long-term thesis for gaming, is if you own these verticals, you completely own the audience, right? That's why, like, like for example, C, which is um, Garena, C Limited, which one of the, the biggest growing tech stocks in, in the past two years, they grew 250% uh, last year, and now this year they, they doubled already um in, in stock price to, to now you know, $83. They, they, they're building their own streaming platform as well. And what you're going to see is whoever owns the IP, which is the game, that's the most important. You have to own the IP. Then you own the cloud. Then you own the streaming for it, which cloud runs off streaming as well. And then you have a complete, then you also own the marketplace on top of that. So you basically have a complete ecosystem lock of, of that user base. Um, and, and that's what they're gunning for because whoever has that lock, those users will stay within that ecosystem. That's why Xbox is is pretty aggressive in that area google is trying to now have their own game studios amazon has twitch and now they also have their amazon studios has released a new game called crucible um and and that's what these mega these companies are going after is is it once they achieve that kind of ecosystem lock uh for for this 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 young gaming population that has a lot of spending power then it'll be it'll turn into multi-billion dollar opportunity for them um, over the next decade no definitely i mean we're going to stop there. That's a lot of punch that you just gave. Um, good stuff. Uh, don't want to run past kind of the 20 minute mark here. Um, we could keep going on for a long time because <laughs> it's just so interesting. And, and again, I think to, to reemphasize, I think the gaming category is, is somewhat underappreciated because it, it's all the things that are happening outside of it. That's creating the opportunity of the future for it. Um, and a lot of it has nothing to do with the games themselves. It's more the, the technology that some yep. of these large uh, um, players, again, the, the big cloud computing companies, and the hardware in addition to, right, the NVIDIAs of the world um, that are then powering um, some of the resources that we're talking about. And all of that is funneling into kind of uh, what these games can do and where they can do it for us. Um, so again, I think the opportunity continues to be massive. This is why we're big believers in the gaming segment as a whole 
Um, and more importantly, we, we appreciate the, the, uh, the, the companies that own the content uh, just because they have a, a nice strategic place uh, within that ecosystem that we're talking about. Um, but with that, I wanted to maybe give you uh, a couple seconds to tell everybody where they could potentially reach out to you. If they needed anything uh, to check out maybe your site. Um, just give you a, a couple moments for that before we wrap. Yeah, cool. The best way to reach me is on Twitter. So it's it's S J E N E R I S. So S generous, and also I have a, a medium as well. So definitely read a lot of the articles that I publish. With there's tons of data, tons of stats, and then on LinkedIn, I'm just Jeff Chow, J E F C H A U. Cool, Jeff. I appreciate it once again, and we're definitely gonna have to have you back on. Yeah, no problem. Thank you so much. Appreciate right. it. So that was a good conversation with Jeff Chow. We have to have a round two for sure. A lot of insights that, that he shared. Uh, so great conversation. If you have any questions for Jeff Chow himself, any questions for us around gaming or any other categories uh, from our podcast, feel free to reach out. It's info at averyco.com. Again, that's info at A-V-O-R-Y-C-O.com. Uh, you can reach out to us directly. Again, if you want to get in touch with Jeff himself, understand more about his, the company that he's building, um, but with that, I appreciate you guys listening, subscribe to the channels on Spotify, Apple podcast, uh, or follow me on Twitter at underscore Sean David, uh, and we can be in touch. Okay. Have a good one.